Clean contact. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you. Hello and welcome to the Golf Practice Podcast. My name is Andy Hayes and with me is Jansen Mizrek and Peter Leinenweber. Jansen, welcome back. Hey guys. I'm back. <laughs> we missed you last week. Good to have week. the crew back together. Yeah, thanks for talking about some of my favorite topics without me. What <laughs> topics are you talking about? The origin I... of the half set. Are you kidding me? <laughs> did you like, I t- I did you know that personal story? offense to that? You must have that. known that story. No, actually, I didn't. You didn't? No. What were your what was your reaction to it? And, and like recap a little bit of what you're talking about. Well, it made I, it made all the sense in the world. Um, know, well, hold on, we got to go start. Like, what are you talking about? Because I was right. there and I don't even completely remember. So <laughs> I'm sure some of the listeners. So uh, Peter Donahue, our founder at the Academy, um, was on the podcast yesterday with or last week with y'all on Tuesday. I uh, talked a little bit about the half set of clubs and you know. There's a, there's a reason why Peter Donahue's nickname is the Godfather of Golf is you know he paves no the way for a lot of people and a lot of things um, to try and do in golf to keep it interesting keep you you know thinking on your feet so uh, he explained the story of you know why and how he started the half set of clubs over in his Ireland Scottish trip back in the back in the 80s so pretty cool pretty cool he's uh, my favorite quote was like. Well, it seemed like I was always hitting a three iron. <laughs> so it was like, man, I, I could really just play in that. Why, did, why am I lugging all these around? So um, there you go. Pretty yeah, cool. he was doing it before it was cool. Long before it was cool. For sure. He was doing it for like 15 years before anybody even thought about it. Yeah. yeah. Do you agree that it could make people better? 100%. I'm going to leave that for the manifesto episode. I can't wait to do some hard <laughs> research for that. But the, the, okay, though, okay, next thing, though, and, and well, you know, the manifesto is going to have to get scheduled. We're going to need yeah. to get that so we have it a could date. Take, that could take months. Yeah, it could take, well, well, we'll try to get it out before summer. You know, okay. we usually go on a little hiatus, uh, yeah, you know, true. for the summer. You go up north, mm-hmm. and Pete and I will be down south in that's Evanston. Right, great divide. So E-town. We'll probably just be doing podcasts every day without you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> we better make it a, a different segment. <laughs> so, FOMO, serious yeah. FOMO. Yeah. Um, could you see yourself though advising one of your young students to to do that? To like, I, yeah, I actually talked like, with one of my kids that's uh, just signed to a college team. I told him, I said, hey, like he's a member at a country club. I was like, dude, you know that course. Because I was asking him about M360 practice last yeah. week, how the kids were measuring how they – they were measuring some stats, like mental stats about their shots and their execution and just like how they were feeling with like their preparation. So that was a pretty cool mental process they were going. But as they were doing that, what made it challenging was that they were only allowed to use seven clubs as they played nine holes for practice. So being able to score highly mentally took a lot of commitment um, – 
because you're hitting forced to hit shots or clubs that you maybe weren't um, used to having, right? Limited resources. And so I was talking with my student about that, and uh, he played pretty well, and he had some had some good takes about it. And I said, hey, like, have you ever thought about maybe doing that at at your country club? I said, like, dude, you have you've played that course so many times under so many different conditions and from like every tee box, like you own that place. Have you, you could definitely strategize what clubs you need on all of the holes out there and go tear it up. And I said, I guarantee you could shoot under 75 doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's like, he was thinking about it. He's like, no way, no way. And then he's like, he, he actually thought about it for a second. He goes, yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, you should do it this summer. You're out there every day. Why not? Also, where I think Peter actually went a step further is that playing with fewer clubs is not necessarily like a, a like a drill to do to then improve your game when you go back to a full set. He seemed to say he was saying like if you actually use less clubs, you'll be a be- like you will score better, you know, like and and stop. Well, so I wonder. I agree with, I agree with that because. Let, let's take this same student, for example, who has played hundreds, if not thousands of rounds at the same golf course, but he's done it with the same clubs and his personal best was probably a couple years ago, mm-hmm. you know, but he's a better player now, but he's still shooting kind of the same scores around that track. So what's going to, what's going to freshen up? Well, something needs, something needs to awaken him. Mm-hmm. And I think not having the tools that he's used to having and and being a little more committed to the shots with the with the clubs that he's strategically chosen mm-hmm. could be the answer. Mm-hmm. Could be. Could be the answer. That's kind of why I'm excited for the the manifesto because mm-hmm. like I coach college players but I'm not, I'm not sure you take a lot of thought for you to be like, "Hey, you need to commit to 10 clubs and that's what you're going to take. <laughs> you're going to go to college with 10 and that's mm-hmm. it. And that will make you play better." <laughs> Via big be a big step, a big, big jump. No, I told him. I told him uh, he could go up to nine or ten. I said he could do nine or ten, but he needs to go play his golf course nine or ten, oh. and that'd be really cool. And I want to know his. I want to know his thoughts. I want him to give it a couple tries this summer. So I'll re- I'll report back. When yeah, it's he, not when like he, you're asking him to take five clubs out there. Like yeah, no. almost and, and even too many. seven. As seven gets tricky because you got to right throw away another uh, wood or hybrid and, and and another wedge. But I play with nine or ten. Mm-hmm. Nine most of the time because I take out the three iron, but yeah, that's the sweet spot. And I that's think. usually plenty, it's or if enough. not, always plenty. More than enough. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Okay. All right, well, should we? Uh, we don't have a big. That was our big story of the week. That <laughs> Jensen listened to the podcast. That I was pissed. Um, <laughs> we have uh, two. I guess two things we we're fascinated by, and then you know maybe a question of the week to end and our day. Or, or do you, wait? I'm sorry. Did you have something, Jensen, for fascination? I, I didn't mean to. Step on. You know, I was thinking about that. Um, I was thinking about that earlier in the week, and I've had, you know, our coaching meetings are always fascinating to me here at the okay. golf practice. Um, just some of the things we talk about. You know, sometimes we talk about students, and we'll just kind of talk about what they're going through for an hour and just experiences. Sometimes we'll do some case studies on some students of like, hey, I'm starting to recognize a lot of people that do this, and here's some drills or things that I can set up or how I coach people through making these changes that are common things that we see in the golf swing. So, you know, I won't get too, uh, I won't go in the trenches with that, but always enjoying the uh, coaching meetings here at the golf practice. Should we allow like people to come visit those? Like, 
<laughs> Make it like a seminar. Yeah. Why not? Fill up the library. That'd be cool. I don't know if other people would think it's as cool as, as we do. Probably but not. Probably yeah. not. All right, Gets Pete. me fired up. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I know we've talked a lot about this guy in past podcasts uh, by the name of Scott Fawcett. Um, Andy, I believe, maybe last week or the week before, had mentioned that Will Zalatoris, who was the runner-up in the Masters, was uh, his first, what did you say, disciple? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, on Twitter last night, Scott posted something. I'll read it to you guys. He said, um, this is the quote that I made Wills Altors read on the first and 10th tee of every round during his wins at the Texas Am and the U.S. Junior. So first things first that caught me off guard was like he's making him read something like in the middle of the round on the 10th tee. So I thought that was interesting. Mm -hmm. But the quote from the book, um, I'll kind of try to summarize it a little bit. But uh, Let's just read. I know you're going to read it. Yeah, because this is from. Do you know what it's from? Like the art yeah. of learning. Yeah. By Josh Waitzkin. Yes. Do you know who that is? I, I don't know much about him, no. Have you seen the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer? I've heard of it, but never seen it's, it. It's a chess it's a movie about a chess prodigy. Josh Waitzkin is the, ch- the chess prodigy in that uh in that movie. Wow. And in real life. So he was like a chess prodigy. And then he like got burnt out on chess. And then he became like a world champion, like martial artist. In his twenties, mm. like that's incredible. Just, like, picked it up and got Tai Chi or something. Mixed. What's What's the movie called? Searching for Bobby Fischer. And right. then suddenly wrote this list. book about like the art of learning because he's you know learned multiple things. And yeah. So there you have it. That makes it even cooler. So wow. now, now I'll I'll, uh, I'll read it. Buckle so up. it goes in every discipline. The ability to be clear-headed, present cool under fire is much of what separates the best from the mediocre in competition the dynamic is often painfully transparent if one player is serenely present while the other is being ripped apart by internal issues the outcome is already clear the prey is no longer objective makes compounding mistakes and the predator moves in for the kill while more subtle the issue this issue is perhaps even more critical in what's that say critical this is sorry it's a tough screenshot while more subtle, the issue is perhaps even more critical in solitary pursuits such as writing, painting, scholarly thinking, or even learning. In the absence of continual external reinforcement, we must be our own monitor, and quality of presence is often the best gauge. We cannot expect to touch excellence if, quote, going through the motions is the norm of our lives. On the other hand, if deep, fluid presence becomes second nature, then life, art, and the learning take on a richness that will continually surprise and delight. Those who excel are those who maximize each moment's creative potential. For these masters of living, presence to the day-to-day learning process is akin to, the, to that purity of focus others dream of achieving in rare climactic moments when everything is on the line. Lastly, the secret is that everything is always on the line. The more present we are at practice, the more present we will be in competition, in the boardroom, at the exam, the operating table, the big stage. If we have any hope of attaining excellence, let alone of showing what we've got, what we've got under, pre- excuse me, let alone what we've got under pressure, we have to be prepared by a lifestyle of reinforcement. Presence must be like breathing. End quote. Cowboy. A lot of stuff. What in a there. good little hitter at the end there. Yeah, that was sick. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's some good stuff. So I read that last night, and I was kind of like, "Wow, this is going to be good for the for the show tomorrow." So we'd love to hear your. Your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I kind of want to like go through it line by line. Let me go but, like, through it. What, what? Well, 
Okay, do you have any specific parts that stood out to you? Yeah, sentence one. In every discipline, <laughs> the ad- ability to be clear-headed, present, cool under fire is much of what separates the best from the mediocre. So he's... I guess, do you guys actually believe that? And do you... Like, does your coaching model that? Because I read something like that, and it's like, this sounds great. But then I'm like, think about the day of golf lessons that I gave yesterday, and we didn't do any training on being present. We did lots of training on how to swing a golf club or how to get your way around the course. But he is seeming to say that uh, I'm not valuing that being present quite enough. Yeah, I think that we could certainly spend a little more time on presence of mind with our students and a little bit less on just pure mechanics of the golf swing because when it comes especially for the kids who are are tournament players or college or high school players like that's what it's going to come down to for them it's not necessarily i mean their swings are are for the most part pretty pretty solid they're pretty good players but what like scott says or excuse me like the quote says it's the ability to be clear-headed and present in that moment that that separates those guys from the mediocre ones so Long story short, to answer your question, I think, yeah, we certainly could spend a little more time on that. I think there's certain people that uh, need that kind of training a little more often. I I have a couple students that come to mind of, you know, people that that react very quickly to a result of a shot. It's like, uh, or or maybe that they've uh, expressed a lot of frustration of a, a round that they had earlier in the week, and they're coming to you out of frustration of like, and, and as they're hitting shots, see, that's what I keep doing. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I just can't get it. It's like, well, you, are you actually really present with like what you need to do right now to change that? Or are you still like really fired up from mm-hmm. the, the round of last Friday that you played or whatever, you know? Yeah. So um, as as coach, I, I think that, uh, of course, I want to say, yes, I, I do do that. I think I only do that with people that get really reactive, mm-hmm. you know, Um with it, but certainly even even those people that maybe I think internally everybody's always, you know, probably reacting uh, a little too aggressively to to the result than than the process. Whether or, they show it or yeah, not, under fire, you know. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty pretty crazy. I actually have a story I could share from the gym this morning. Um, I had a had a lady in one of my classes. She's a, a regular. She's a beast, like super strong, super fit. And we're doing an Olympic lift, and she gets through the first set, and we're through the warm-up. So we're about like 20 minutes into class. And this is the hardest portion of class is the first 20 minutes through this this first lift. And uh, she gets the first set done, and she puts her dumbbells down. She just kind of walks away and doesn't go in, into the second set. And uh, and I could just kind of see a little worry on her face. And so everybody else is going. I go over there. I, I ask her. I say, hey, everything okay? You know, uh, and she goes, yeah, I just, I can't breathe. Like, I can't catch my breath right now. I was like, oh, okay. Like, totally fine. I said, mm-hmm. first, take take what you need. Take the time you need to recover. And I said, and focus on your breath right now. In through the nose, out through the mouth. Focus on your recovery. Don't focus on what the rest of the class is doing. So, like, giving her that comfort of, hey, do what you need to do right now to get through this workout. And if, if you're still not feeling okay in a couple minutes, let's reevaluate. And she just needed two extra minutes 
to recover than everybody else did. And it turns out, backstory, last week she had a sinus infection, and today we were outside, and it was colder, colder air. It's harder to breathe in colder air. And she's got, like, compromised immune system right yeah. now because she's coming back from being sick. She goes, it was... Uh, but, I mean, that's a really uncomfortable feeling, not being able to breathe when you feel okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just uh, getting her to be a little present with, hey, it's okay, we need to recover, it's fine, don't focus on all the craziness that's going on around you in this group setting, focus on what you need to do right now to recover. And then she was able to make it through the workout, and she beasted it out, it was crazy, so there you go. When you guys are playing golf, like, what types of thoughts keep you from being present? I think uh, sometimes the opportunity to go low, mm-hmm. like, uh, hey, I'm hitting the ball really well. This, you know, something, something special is kind of going here. Like, I got another good look at birdie. Oh, I got another good look at birdie. And uh, putting a little pressure on yourself of, of the opportunity to do something kind of cool, or do something yeah. special. So I would say, yeah, sure, it's a little score-related, but it's more like, wow, like, can I capitalize on these shots? I think I put mm-hmm. some pressure on myself and, and – start thinking ahead i think the obvious one for me and for probably for you guys as well is like when you're playing a course that you know and you know that there's a stretch of holes that are either like super gettable mm-hmm. or a stretch of holes that are like but you got to grind and you got to kind of buckle up um at the start of that stretch i have at times to ten, tended to think like a little bit of about the next tee shot or like two holes later like oh what am i going to hit off this tee while i'm like preparing for or picking a club for this specific shot um, that's the obvious one, I think. But I think there's a lot of factors. Certainly score is one of them, especially when you're playing in a, in a tournament. Um, but, yeah, I think those are the, the probably the main ones that let you get ahead of yourself or so not you be do? present. Do you just? I literally remind myself to kind of be like, hey, stay in the moment. It's easier said than that? done. Because it seems like they're like Fawcett would say it's so hard to do that you literally need to read that like three-minute quote. In the middle on, round. In the tenth <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's not easy. I'm not great at it, but I'm not horrible at it. I, I'm, I'm pretty good at giving myself not a pep talk, but just kind of like a, Hey, here's, here's what, here's what the, what you got to do right now. Let's, let's kind of buckle up and, and stay in the moment, I guess. I think personally speaking, uh, when I'm able to recover faster from that or, or get back to being present sooner is, uh, is when I'm playing my best golf or able to to uh, feel like I'm in that flow state. Mm-hmm. When it's uh, when I'm not present for a longer time, I think I let that feeling drift on for three, four holes. Uh, and it, and uh, I think that's probably the number it kind of takes me is about three or four holes or about 45 minutes to snap out of it, which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy to think that you're, quote-unquote, unconscious for 45 minutes or, or uh, off the rails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you guys are we're like we're shooting like even par. It's hard to do this. So if you're shooting ninety or a hundred out there, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> I don't want to step into that person's brain, but that's kind of our job. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's interesting. Like some people, if you're trying to break a hundred, like you just need to make like good contact. And but there's probably so many like worries and thoughts mm. that go into that. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm thinking about like how could you simplify that a little bit or when you guys are i know you talked a little bit about it last week but when you guys are on a tee shot that has like let's say ob left and water right do you 
are you one of those people that acknowledges that they're there and like accepts that they're there or are you like they're not there i'm i'm not even focused on those things cuz oh, i feel like there's two I types of people yeah me I, too me i acknowledge too. and then i say let's go get some yeah <laughs> let's go bring it on <laughs> i just think about them and can't get them out of my head <laughs> ob left in particular yeah yeah not lately though. Yeah. I've been hitting good, but we'll see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess that was only the first sentence. We had four There's a lot. lot. That's why I didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot. What was? Uh, let me read through it here, I guess. Um, I think. Let me find my favorite part. I love that last line. Yeah. Pres- oh yeah. This is what presence came to my mind. Must be like breathing. He said, presence That's must incredible. be like breathing. Okay. So isn't that a reason that I should no one should be on Instagram or Twitter? <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, All probably. All that stuff does is like keep you from being present. But he's like, if you want excellence, like presence has to be like breathing. And so like on like on Sunday, I or like on Saturday, I was like sick of Instagram, so I just like deleted on my phone. I didn't like delete my account. And then Sunday morning, literally like five times before noon, I opened my phone, unlocked it, pressed the space where like Instagram used to be just like mindlessly doing that. Um, You haven't had it for that long since you No, So maybe I'm just like more addicted to this than other people, but I I don't think so. Um, So I would be, I'd be interested. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, dude, I know. And so I do it all the time. If we're saying like, like to be excellent at something, you have to be present they're like presence has to be like breathing. That's not something that you can just like do. It's like, okay, I'm going to be super distracted kind of by, you know, by email and, and texts and then all these, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, baby crying, like you're distracted by all these things. But then it's like, when I go play golf, I'm just going to be like perfectly present. Like, I don't think that we're conditioning ourselves not to be present. Right. Exactly. Well, that, that leads me to what my favorite quote was. It's like the, the last paragraph, the first sentence, it says, the secret is that everything is always on the line. The more present we are at practice, the more present we will be in competition or in the boardroom or wherever. Um, I think that's so, so accurate because how many people do you know, especially students and myself i did this for a little bit in high school and college when i was playing competitively is like when you're on the range or on the putting green or on the practice uh chipping area or whatever and you're just kind of going away and just kind of hitting shots and and whatever and i think that can be good just to kind of mellow out as a i don't know just a time to be by yourself and do something activity but if you're practicing for a tournament or for a season or for whatever, I think the more present you are in that moment while you're practicing while you're hitting balls while you're putting obviously that would hopefully translate to when you're in competition mm-hmm. and you're more present then. And I would assume that a pretty significant margin of, of golfers are not present while they practice. No. Or, I, I mean, if just, not, just because most all. humans are not present, like, at <laughs> any time in their life. Right. Um, I, like, did you, did you know that Will Zaltoris, he, like, didn't have a cell phone at all during the Masters week? The whole week. I yeah, didn't know he said he had that. it off. Yeah. So it's like that's you know, that's the guy who he made him read these these things. And, so he's like and taking Zalatoris is a, a Scott Fawcett disciple. Well that's the guy who know? Scott made yeah. read this quote. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, it, it, so it, this it, is it, when it, they it. started. This was in the Whoops. the two thousand I think two thousand fourteen or yeah, Texas amateur. I think it's two thousand fourteen, oh, okay. two thousand fifteen. So like Got that's it. when he like Zalatoris the first person he started like working with one on one. Very cool. he knew him from his country club and like this kid's hitting the ball so good. Like, he's the best ball strike I've ever seen. Why is he the 1,000th ranked amateur in the world? And then 
you know, now he just finished second at the Masters. As you so, so eloquently said last week, once he just started taking smart lines. <laughs> that's, it. that's all it takes. <laughs> all smart it. I don't think I said that. Did I say that? You did. Something I like think that, you said yeah. something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it was a joke. It wasn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even remember. I that. think the even just that quote at the end and, and just this, this concept uh, for me helps paint a better picture of why in our mindfulness training that the kids go through of, of these breathing exercises, um, why it makes sense to get present, yeah. like breathing, like presence must act like breathing. It's like, oh, so if you, you, you can uh, kind of work that puzzle backwards of if you're focusing on your breath, that will help you become more present. Uh, and so just kind of drawing that parallel right there is like, oh, well, that's why, that's why this mindfulness piece focuses on certain types of meditation and and breath, uh, which I think is pretty cool. I never even th really thought about it that way. Yeah, I'm interested in how, this is from my own experience, like what I have done in the past, but I'm interested in how many of our students that were like training to be mindful, how many of them like check Instagram as soon as like the session's over? Mm -hmm. I would do that a lot. <laughs> like I, I would do like headspace and it's like, okay, great, 20 minutes. And like two minutes later, I'm like, my head just like I'm bored. Okay, like check well, something. Oh, I just exited up yeah. out of the mindfulness app. Might as well check the others. Yeah. it's like it's so it's, it's right so next backwards. to it. Yeah, and so obvious. It's just like not that it should be easy or whatever, but yeah. uh, it's hard to it's hard. Man. It's hard to do. Well, and I think you know, especially in here, you hear uh, you see all the kids come into practice, and the first thing they do is put their AirPods in mm -hmm. and spend probably about the first ten minutes of their practice figuring out what songs they want to listen to. And then obviously if a song comes on that they don't want to listen to, oh. they pull out their phone, might as well send a couple Snapchats while I'm at it. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah. The hey, is there a track man open? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's like, good Lord. You know, um, maybe there should be a no air yeah. AirPod policy mm. here at the, at the cube. We could just like install some sort of technology that <laughs> like doesn't allow like Bluetooth frequency. Yeah. Sure, like, yeah. An EMP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 would you guys, would you guys try it? Like, 12 hours of just like deleting whatever your most used app is off your phone and just seeing how often you press it. I'm going to challenge our staff tonight to do that. Yeah, um, I'll try that. I'm just interested. Like, I'm just interested in you guys uh, or like we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, were you, I, did you say you're going to do it too? Or like, you're only going <laughs> to, no, Oh no, I'll do it. Oh, I'll think that'd be pretty funny. You're like, I'm not going to do I'm it, but I'm going to have them do it. <laughs> No. Well, I'm just curious. As yeah. Like, and no, then report I, back next week. Like, how many times? Like, how did you notice did you, yourself yeah, like mindlessly yeah, yeah. doing something? A little homework assignment. Because it's kind of like free, it's kind of freaky actually when you do that because mm -hmm. it's like oh like I didn't. It's not even, there anymore. Yeah. Habit, man. Yeah. It's just a weird. But then it's like that's a weird weird habit to have because mm -hmm. it's yeah I don't know. So yeah, it is weird. I'm just interested in a, in a test and then you can you can install it you know whatever twelve hours later it's pretty easy to. Find it again. Yeah, I'll do um, it. I'll do it right now. All right, cool. Those of you listening at home, you could take the uh, yeah. We the have challenge. The, the <laughs> some of the kids in in the class last week were walking from station to station in between the rotations on their phone. And when I went into you know I'm taking temperatures up front, and I walk into the room. The kids are sitting there, waiting for waiting for class to start with all of their heads down on their phones. I'm like, guys. Are we not going to warm up? Are we not going to eat some chips, roll some putts, play some catch? Like, it was what's going on? Like eerily silent when you walked in oh, there with fifteen people tonight. Could we try like a cell phone basket? 
Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing like, it. I you check gonna... their temp. Like, just have them put the cell phone in the basket. They, I, I, get it I'm on fired up today. It's wow. changed. Yeah, last Thursday is when I realized that. And I, I told you, I think, on Monday. I was like, We're, this is over. We're doing a little no yeah, cell phone he, policy. He told me, he goes, man, I think there should be a no cell phone policy. <laughs> they were zombies yeah. last week. I said, copy. But I think you copy. could do it. I think you could yeah. do it as, like, don't don't be, like, one I'm of those, like, like, parents who's like, now, no cell phones. You guys had them too much. Just be like, hey, we're doing the challenge tonight, everyone. Even coaches are putting them in the basket. For sure. Like, you have to go. tell them the why. I'm not going to yeah. be, you know, I'm not going to be drill sergeant about it. Like, hey, give me your phone. Yeah, but it's like, hey, you're on it too much. Something. We're going to see how no, that works. Like, yeah. that's not good yeah. enough. Yeah. Like, I understand why they're on it. They're, they want to communicate with their friends. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. But I want them to get the value of what you're here to do. I want them yeah. to be present in practice. Right. Come on. Boom. There we go. All right, fired up for today. Mm-hmm. Let's awesome. go. All right. Well, let's end, let's let's move on from that <laughs> to our next uh, topic of conversation from Eric Anders Lang. This um, is good. This, this good. is uh, you know, a guy I like a lot. He's on Instagram. <laughs> on Instagram. What would you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, where do we get this quote? That, <laughs> hey, where do we get this quote? Speaking of that, what would you describe him as? Like, uh, what would you? What's your? I was trying to do this with uh, my girlfriend Kate the other night, trying to just describe to her what Eric or who Eric Anders Lang is. He is so. Like is a he a golf, golf prophet? He's a golf influencer. Is he it's a prophet kinda, though? No, no. Prophet. I don't know. I'm not saying he is or isn't. I'm just I'm he, just asking the question. <laughs> I started out finding who he was based on Adventures in Golf, which yeah. is this YouTube series where he goes to strange places like India and I don't know, Austria, whatever, all over like Nepal, like and plays like golf in like the craziest places you'd ever see. And it's mm-hmm. kind of the reason I liked it is because it he was really good at reshaping like what the definition of golf is, right? That that golf doesn't have to be all these things that you think it is. And so um, it's part of like inspired, like why I wanted to go to Scotland and see different things and also just like change like how I saw what golf is. So I think that's like pretty cool. Now then like once everyone gets like popular, now he's like selling a bunch of stuff and his videos are like videos of him hitting every shot, like a vlog, vlog like... Uh. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm, he had an. Int- I had still watch literally everything he does, but yeah, he had an interesting like um, upbringing. The way he grew up, I would encourage you to to look that up. But he used uh, to be married to Sia, the pop star. I don't know who that is. You don't? No. She's super famous. <laughs> She's on the radio. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, we need to get into this because because uh, we only got twenty minutes left. Okay. Let's get in. Um, He says, I've started thinking about fate recently. A buddy told me about logical determinism, which says that the future is already fixed as unalterably as the past. He said that we are all on tram lines. We can't get off. The path is predetermined. I have struggled with this all my life. Do we have a choice? And if we really think we do have a choice, was it just meant to be all along? I'm sure I'll never know if this is true, but the idea that it could be removes a lot of self-centered judgment and decision questioning. It frees me up more than just a bit. Quite a lot, I've noticed. Whatever situation is occurring, good or bad, it just is. I thought about all this as I was at the range last night after a chance encounter with Steve, the teaching pro at Rancho Park. A poet, we made an impromptu film with him, and he kept calling this the people's course and kept speaking in beautiful ways about golf I've not often heard. It was profound and almost bizarre. 
As he disappeared, I wondered if that was meant to be. Then, as we hit balls into the night sky, I thought about this game, how the practice swing is so different from the on-course swing. Why is that? I think we can all agree that it's because we're afraid of the result. On the course, we are trying to control the outcome. So what about this? I'm going to try something next time out. I'm going to think before each swing. The ball has already landed in the right place, wherever that is. I imagine that's pretty close to freedom, which is all I'm searching for in this life. Um, the rapper Macklemore commented, fire emoji. Love this. <laughs> so There's a lot to break down in that, too. Do you guys believe in free will or logical determinism? Go. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first part of that quote um, was uh, pretty eye-opening of like uh, a, a, a very strong or bold take, I guess you could say, of like uh, you have no choice in your life. It's all predetermined. That's, that's a strong belief, and it and it's, uh, makes me think of – it's kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a little. It's a little uneasy to think about. It me. I don't. I agree. I, you know what I mean. It's it's uh it's kind of scary. But, uh, but I understand what it's saying. And and as the quote or as Eric kept talking, uh, and how it could relate to golf. Of. It's pretty cool. It's like really cool. It can. I think it could absolutely free you up. Of like, you know what? Like, does it really matter? Because it's going to happen regardless whether it happens the way. I thought it was going to happen, or maybe it happens a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is what it is. I think there's two ways to take that, um, or to kind of maybe b- believe in logical determinism. I think there's the people that that are not so great in their lives, uh, whether it's in a sport or whether it's just in general, and they just accept it like, yeah, man, it's already, it's all predetermined anyway. Like, why do I need? Why do I need to care? And then there's there's Eric's version of it where it's like it's it's almost freeing and it frees him up to um or it's a sense of freedom for him uh i would prefer to to be on that side of it uh i don't know if i necessarily believe in it but i certainly would love to dive a little bit more into it because it is i mean that quote itself is very interesting um it gets the gears running in your head a little bit but um yeah i don't know i I don't know if i can fully buy into that everything's already predetermined and it's i think what was the quote about the past that it's as Something is the it's past, the like future. As, it's the, yeah, the future is as set in stone, not like set in stone, but like it's similar to the past. Yeah, um, that's a scary thought. Yeah, well, and so I done lots of reading in philosophy, and I'm hit us with it, and uh, <laughs> something I'm very interested in. What's um, that? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, the idea, the logical determinism, is not necessary. So when sometimes people talk about fate, they're like, oh, that means that like God or some supreme being has like decided how everything has happened is like is going to happen. But, but logical determinism is almost, is a little bit different. It's just like everything, uh, it's like cause, cause and effect. Right. Mm -hmm. But literally every, um, every effect then like there's another cause to that. And so basically, Mm -hmm. um, it's gets super complicated and in our heads, but like the fact that I started working at the golf practice, for example, like I only did that because of some situation that kind of happened before that. But then I only had the mindset that would make me kind of like switch careers because of something that happened kind of in my upbringing or, you know, Mm -hmm. something along those lines. And so basically what happens tomorrow, um, you're going to go like, we're all going to come to work tomorrow. And that's because we have a job here 
like today and so like that's not necessarily going to change um if something like let's say you we get sick tomorrow like that happened because of something else that happened that happened because of something else that happened and so it's just kind of this chain that keeps moving that's infinitely complex but does that mean that those events in the future are already set in stone are already predetermined like that just sounds like you're saying it's a cause and effect and that what I did today is going to affect something tomorrow and then what I do tomorrow is going to affect yeah. something the next well, day. Well, it would be impossible to kind of like to know, but if somehow we could like determine what everyone's like motivations and what the weather was going to be and like all of these things, I guess like at this moment, we could almost like project out into the future, like mm -hmm. how those things would impact what's yeah. going on in the future. And so in that way, he's like, it's, it's all, you know, predetermined. Um, I, there's an, there's another theory called like the multiverse or the mini worlds theory. Have you heard about that? I have not. No. <laughs> oh, so this is kind of different. This is a different one to believe. And this is, this comes from, they, they study like atoms, you know, like the smallest mm. part of the, you know, the universe. And they, they do this thing where they were able to get like one atom and they, it's called like the double slit experiment. And they would shoot these atoms through these like these two slits in, in like piece of paper and then they would like go against the wall and they would make some sort of like a pattern. Um, sometimes the pattern would be like as basically like Im imagine um, it's really hard to talk about. Um, basically <laughs> like it went through these two windows and it's now on this back wall and there's like there's like two like spots where like the atoms have like kept going through like over and over into the same spot. Okay. okay sure. But then sometimes they do the same exact thing and the atoms it's almost like a, a whole, the whole wall gets hit by the atoms like like it's as they were coming through like a wave the way a wave would come through and kind of like separate as it goes mm -hmm. through and so basically this the same atom is doing two different things and so th the only way that they know which one it's going to do is like if they observe it. So like if they put a camera on it it's like the atom behaves like like a wave and if they don't uh have a camera on it it behaves differently and they but they can tell by the result that it behaved differently and so basically what what people yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it, it freaks you out right like it doesn't make any sense it um, really doesn't yeah That's and so crazy. it's basically like the world is do, do, it, really weird and connected in ways that like we don't we can't understand we can't almost. really understand yeah. yeah and so um but the way they take that theory is that so like the fact that it's observed or not observed like kind of changes the outcome is that some people say that both outcomes are happening okay and that well that's what i thought when yeah. you were explaining yeah. this i'm like yeah. it's doing two different things yeah at the same time but you almost have to choose which one you want to yeah, decide you what you want to watch yeah right yeah like, and so they're basically saying but they say that both <laughs> that probably that, didn't make sense when i was no. like this my bad. <laughs> no, they, no no no. i get what you're saying but they say so it's like both outcomes are happening and that the the world that we're living in is either the one that either observes it or like doesn't observe it but that there would be like another world exactly the same as ours that we're that we can't relate to where like the other outcome had happened that make, wow, so, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. so based, yeah, okay. I'm glad you, gotcha. that was easy. But you know what I'm saying. So it's yeah. like both things are happening, and now we're just in one world, but then there's also another world where the other thing is happening. Obviously, this is a theory. They can't, like, test it. But then so they can take that to be, like, every single 
scenario this is that, that this thing that's happening with a very small part of the world like the uh, one singular atom actually ha- is happening on a bigger scale with basically everything so that basically every situate every scenario or every par- part of your life like this is just constantly happening and unfolding into an infinite number of universes that are all exist so there's an infinite number of Jansons and Pete's and Andy's and there's probably one of those worlds where like we're all in the PGA tour together right because like we just got better at golf you know what I mean sick we got better at, yeah <laughs> but then there's also I worlds, believe in that yeah that's mine you know, there's also worlds where like none of us have ever met before sure. but then like the world that we're in right now is like this current world and so it's basically like whatever a- anything that can happen basically will happen and is going to happen but we won't really know no. with it or interact with it um so wow, there you that's, go that's something to chew on do you think uh but do you think that's like dreams and like deja vu like oh. when you have a dream and then like you have something in your day that reminds yeah, you of deja that dream, vu. that's like, what people say is like a an that's example like, of like that. a an, somehow okay, the an worlds are that, somehow right? the worlds are uh, somewhat connected somewhat connected Ooh, but we don't see, quite know is, how that's crazy yeah. Something, speaking of dreams, something that happened to me last night was I actually had three dreams and remembered all three, and that's never happened to me in my life. Like, three separate dreams. I don't know. Anyway, I know you have, like, five or six. Yeah, probably the vaccine. (laughs) I know everybody, I think the average is, like, five or six a night, but I've never, ever in my life remembered more than one, and I remember three separate ones and can talk about three. I won't go into it. Yeah, let's uh, stick on multiverse (laughs) I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's that, the multiverse so, theory. So the multiverse is different than than logical determinism, which is just that like there's one future and it is yeah. it is kind of fixed. And so I like, I, you know, I feel kind of stuck by the logical determinism because it's like, well, it's only one. certain things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so if whereas whereas multiverse is like, well, you know, anything like everything that could happen is going to happen, and I don't really know which part of that. Which one of those I'm going to be a part of? Um, that, when you say it like that, that's that's really exciting. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. really exciting. I yeah, think. but jeez, Louise, my that's a lot to take in. How am I supposed to go teach a lesson after this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be present. I'm going to be thinking of many universes. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, but but I do but I do like his. It's interesting that he uses that as like well. Either way, he's just going to, like, accept of what, like, the outcome yeah. is going to be. And Absolutely. so I think both of those theories, potentially, they either could kind of limit you and shut you down. Because it's like, well, the future is not, you know, free will, you know, or, or free will maybe makes the most sense, but whatever. Um, uh, or you could use it as, you know, as he's using it of, like, a way to kind of accept the outcomes and be more present. And, like, hey, it's not actually worth worrying so much about the future because um, there's not there's not a whole lot you know, we can do or control or, or maybe we're in a lot less control than, than we think. Yeah. I think that if, if, the, if these like philosophies take you anywhere, it's like, Oh, maybe we don't understand things as much as we think we do. And maybe we're not like as in control as we think we are. And I think if you can get to that point, it's like, Oh, that's, I think that's a cool place to at least sit in for a little bit. Um, yeah. I agree. And I, and I think that can go back to the conversation that, um, and we had uh, on one of the Friday podcasts of causing and allowing, right? Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. going to allow these things to happen and be okay with it and just and be a little more loosened up and freed and allow allow the club to swing? Or are you going to force it? Or uh-huh. are you going to cause it to do what you want it to do because you feel like you can control it? Where 
most of the time when that happens, um, the result that you're hoping for will not happen because you're trying too hard um, to have more control than what you're allowed to have. Um, mm -hmm. Cool. Wow. Well, thanks for jumping down that rabbit hole. Um, you guys have a lot to, you know, Google tonight, I suppose. A lot to think about. Um, our I think I'll just scroll through Instagram instead. Yeah. <laughs> it's more fun. Twitter for me. Um, all right. Our question of the week is for Coach Jansen. Mm. The world needs kind of an, an update on your, your driver situation. <laughs> you son of a gun. <laughs> all right. I'll share the story. Oops. So, um, I actually have an update on it that you don't know. Yeah, that's why I asked. That's why I asked. Okay, so I asked. It's a legitimate question. All right. So for the listeners, I, did I tell you about this? Mm -hmm. Oh, Pete, this you're in for. I'm ready. I've been and when I tell some of my students about, it, I'm like, you're not going to want to take lessons from me anymore after <laughs> this. So, uh, I was leaving last Thursday to go to Sunset Valley to go play with one of my students for a, a coaching lesson or a playing lesson. So I'm grabbing my golf bag and I got my like, I got my big old water bottle. I have my backpack on. I got my golf bag. So my hands are full. And I'm kind of in a rush, and I put my golf bag down behind my car. And then I go to my front door to like unlock my car and like put my bag down and just like get my hands free. And in that moment, I was not present whatsoever. Uh, and I got in my car and I just started driving. Oh no! And so what I did was I I ran over my golf clubs with my car. Oh, I backed no. over them. So I back oh. up and I feel this bump and I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is that? And I, so I just kind of like back up a little more because it wasn't that big of a bump. So I know I didn't like hit somebody, like a kid going into class yeah. or something or a car, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, I guess I'll, I guess I'll just back up a little Keep more going. while I'm at it. Oh. And I see my golf bag laying there with my driver head cover away from the bag. I'm like, oh, my God. And so I immediately, I like throw my car in park. I run up there. Now I'm present. Now I'm awake, <laughs> you know. And um, my driver head is completely shattered at the at the hosel like at the connector the shaft's oh. broken and the club head's completely scratched and dented on the top and then my head cover is just like looked like a like a bear scratched it right and then my putter cover was like super scratched so i again like, i don't really have time to like go through the bag yet so i'm like i throw my bag in my car and and i just like drive to sunset i'm like i'll look in the parking lot to see so that was like the longest four minute drive of my life because I'm in like are my I'm expecting all my clubs to be snapped in half. So I pull my I pull my bag out and obviously I know the driver's broken and I pull every other club out. Every single club was perfectly fine. Unscratched, unscathed, wow. except for the driver. And I ran over it with my car. Oh. Like Did you go over like was the was the driver head the only part that was like reaching out like out of the bag enough for you to roll over it or did you go right over the middle of the bag basically one of the tires went through like the bottom ball pocket but the bag you probably have the bag like oh. upright though right no it was on the ground it was oh, flat, flat on the ground flat, okay. but it's kind of diagonal Got and it. so like Got one it. of the wheels went over like the back pocket but then Got as it. i was like turning like backing yeah. out like turning out of the uh -huh. parking spot that last like front wheel i think is what got I don't know exactly how it happened, but yeah, it yeah. just clipped it. So yeah. it's crazy. So mm -hmm. I just got, yeah, man, I got lucky. I got super lucky. So anyways, regardless, I don't have my favorite driver shaft. And obviously my new driver's head, head or club head is destroyed. So 
I got the epic flashback. So this was the epic speed, yeah. right? The new one. Yeah. It yeah. was new. I hit the epic flash, two two models old. Yeah. I hit that great. Yeah. Like best driver I've ever had. They don't really like the Maverick. Stuck with the flash. I get this new one. It's a fade bias, which I like because I'm trying to hit a cut this season. And so I like really enjoyed this driver. So now I'm like, crap, I got to go back to the flash. Like I love this driver, but I, I was getting used to it. So I hit the flash last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, so good. Wow. <laughs> so good. What, what shaft did he use? The same one. The same as uh, the smoke. Oh, the shaft wasn't broken? No, that uh, I used a demo. I had to use a demo shaft here. Oh, we have that demo cause my Because my smoke shaft yeah, is shattered. Yeah, that's what I thought. Sh- I didn't shattered. know we still had yeah. that one. Okay. Great. Yeah, they're, wow. they're, they're still using it in the Epic Speeds. Yeah. Um, the upgraded ones. So, ah. Yeah. That's a horror story. So, oh. yeah. Well, thanks for the update. You're welcome. All right, guys. Well, we have a lot to, a lot of homework this week. So, wait, wait like, which, let's, let's go into which apps. What app are you going to delete? Twitter. Twitter. That's I'll have to be my most. I'll used. have to go and see which one's my most used, but I imagine it's Instagram. Okay. Yeah. I would. I'm ninety percent sure it's Instagram. All right. Well. So good luck. We should do it on the same day. I feel like, so we can report back. Well, yeah. You can. You can do it whenever you want. No, but I, I feel know. like the three of us should do it on the same day and just should we go do it? Should we do it next solidarity? Monday, the day before the next pod? Oh, I mean, I think mine's just going to be gone for the whole week. So. Okay. You guys, I'll let you guys do. I just want to do Monday. The challenge do Monday. for you is 12 yeah. hours. Yeah. We'll yeah. Be, it'll be fresh on our minds. Yeah. Like on yeah. Tuesday. Absolutely. Okay. Let's do that. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Good luck. All right. Thanks Thank for you. See you all next week. I hit it again because that shot was a defining moment. And when a defining moment comes along, you define the moment. Or the moment defines you.